On today's show, I have Eric Bach, the play-by-play man for the Fredericksburg Nationals down in low A Fredericksburg. And guys, this is a treat today because the Fredericksburg Nationals were probably the best minor league team under the Washington Nationals umbrella. So we're going to get all the updates on all the different prospects that you're going to need to know about once these guys make it to the majors. We're going to get into all of that and more after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And so now I bring in Eric Bach from the Fredericksburg Nationals. Eric, what's going on, man? How you doing? Hey, Ryan. Things are good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to good to reminisce about the the Fred Nats and, and talk about 2023. It should be a, should be a fun time. Yeah, no, and actually, before we get into that, this was kind of a hot topic when uh, we came down for the Grant and Danny show, the show that I produced down there. Gus, your mascot. Can you give give us the background on who Gus the mascot is? Because, I mean, he's a wacky character. I love him. He is a wacky character. Uh, The the thinking behind him, I believe, and is that he is Mm -hmm. supposed to be George Washington's imaginary friend. So George is a, you know, Fredericksburg guy, right? Yeah. Born, born in Fredericksburg. And you've got uh, Mary Washington uh, University there in Fredericksburg. So the entire Washington family is well represented down there in Fredericksburg. But uh, (laughs) Gus is a figment of George's imagination. And I'd like to think that he touches the imagination of us all. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he does like all, all the kids just love the guy. I mean, every kid loves a mascot, but Gus was like a cool outgoing mascot. When I got down there, I instantly fell for my guy Gus there. Yeah, but of Gus course, is, we, Gus is the goat. Gus is the goat. It's yeah. as simple as that. But uh, we got to talk about some other things. Obviously, Gus is very important, but we got to get to the on field stuff. And a lot of this where I think about with the Fredericksburg Nats, you know, I came down there for a guy like Yarlin Susanna's debut with Fredericksburg and he lit it up. I mean, when you see someone who throws 103 miles per hour and he's 18 years old, standing at six foot six, what is it like to kind of take in someone like that still in the low A level who's 18 years old? Yeah, you hear stories, right? And Mm -hmm. once, once the Soto deal happened, we we thought that oh we're gonna get a we're gonna get a haul here in Fredericksburg as far yeah. as you know you know young prospects that the Padres are gonna be giving up and Susana was actually the reason that the the Nationals got him was because they gave up Josh Bell it was Susana mm-hmm. and and Josh Bell that was kind of the exchange after the prospects after the hassles and the woods of the world came over but um you know you hear stories like this guy's legitimate and then you see him and you go there's just no way that this guy's 18 years old and i mean he he looks like he's about 25 uh, on the mound and you know just in regular life and so you know he gets on the mound and it obviously you know to my eyes 99 and 103 don't look that different from you know the the press box view but when you watch 
especially from behind home plate, you watch the the movement of the baseball and all that stuff. I mean, it's pretty, pretty remarkable that, that a human being of his age can, can manipulate the baseball the way that he does. Yeah. And that, that's the crazy part about that too. And, you know, because Suzanne has been kind of someone who I've kind of just put the crown on already. Like I have crowned him as a potential future ace just because the fastball is so electric. But then he also, he's got some other stuff. I believe his slider is well, also the, one of his. The slider's like 94. Yeah. So like his slider's a lot faster than some guys fastballs. So, yeah. I mean, it's, that to me is the most impressive part of it. Obviously, you know, 103 is 103 and not many people can ever mm-hmm. get there. But the 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 slider being mid 90s, I mean, how can you hit that when you're and, seeing, you know, one pitcher's bringing you 95 with the fastball and then Susana's got the late movement slider at 95? I mean, come on. Uh, it's unfair. It's legit yeah. unfair. And that's that's actually the the sad thing with it. It's like God, when this guy is like 21, who knows how hard he could throw? Who knows what the movement's going to be like and all this wisdom that he's going to collect? But also, there's other guys like Jackson Rutledge, who is a former first-round pick with the Washington Nationals. And, you know, he's had his case of injuries. He's had some struggles. But overall, this guy, like, he put together some really solid starts with the Fredericksburg Nats this year. So kind of what have you been seeing out of him? And kind of, you know, because a lot of people say that, well, how is he still in low A Fredericksburg? So how would you kind of answer that two-part question there? Well, I mean, the injuries are the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he didn't even join the team until mid-May, you know, over yeah. a month into the season. And it took him a while to get his feet underneath him. He would have dominant stretches early on and then have one awful inning. Like his, you know, you felt for the guy because he'd have all this positive stuff going on like he'd, He'd go four great innings, and then the fifth inning, things would fall apart in the early part of the season. And then once we got into the second half of the season, into late July, August, September, he really turned into the ace of the staff. Like, it was really cool for him to see. You know, he's obviously older than most of the guys at that level. Mm -hmm. And he really took command of that rotation. Like, when he was out there every week, you could pretty much pencil in a W for the Fred Nats a, a night that Jackson Rutledge was starting. He... As the season went on, he got stronger as he went on in his starts. Uh, I think, you know, you talk to everybody, talk to Joel Hanrahan, who's, you know, former MLB all-star closer, who was the Fred Nats pitching coach. You talk to, you know, the catchers on the team. The complete uh, key for him, they would say, was fastball command. If he had the fastball command, then he could he could mix his pitches off of that, and it was going to be good. And the last six, seven weeks of the season, he had that fastball command every single time. And he he looked like he was taking, I I think the biggest thing for me was obviously, you know, he was dominating these hitters at the single A level, but he was taking command of the staff and and Mm -hmm. pitching like a true ace of the staff, like a, like, I'm going to go out there. I'm not just going to go beat these guys. I'm going to like dig their graves and bury them. Like that was the type of, the, of mentality that he would have. And I think the pitching staff in as a whole fed off of that, fed off of that energy that he was given off. He's not a big like talker. He's a very much a lead by example type guy. And I was really impressed with his involvement and his development throughout the season. Yeah. And you know, I saw that too. It's like he had a rough first start, rough few months in the, in the minor leagues with Fredericksburg. But then again, you saw him down the stretch. Like I think his last game, I believe he went like seven innings in the playoffs. Yeah. With Fredericksburg yeah seven shutout innings. And, and the offense didn't really do much that night. So mm-hmm. the Fred Nets wouldn't, it, it was a playoff win. 
that yeah. happened because of Jackson Rutledge. I mean, the, the, the offense scratched across a couple runs, and that was enough because Rutledge was dominant. Yeah, and that's really just what it comes down to. It's like, you know, obviously run support is needed in every single environment when it comes to baseball. You need guys to produce offense in order to keep the pitchers just kind of feeling safe because, you know, they can't always put the team on their back. But Jackson Rutledge is someone who's kind of been a hot topic around here in Washington, D.C., being a former first-round pick. (laughs) You know, he had a decent amount of promise with them. He's some big, tall guy. It, and it just kind of gets people excited. But also, there was Andrew Lara, who was an 18-year-old, I believe, to start this season, who's now 19-year-olds. And he kind of struggled as well. But then again, like I saw him in person make a start against uh, the Worcester Red Sox, I believe. Worcester. Would have been Salem Red Sox. Salem yeah, Red like, Sox. Dang it. Worcester. Uh, Worcester. Don't, make, don't oh, make that mistake. That's the AAA of the, the Boston there we organization. Go. Trust me, I... Our uh, our groundskeeper and for- former groundskeeper in Fredericksburg is a Boston guy, and I said Worcester one time, and I don't think he spoke to me for a week. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, but it was that. Salem, Salem, yeah, the Salem, Salem Red yes. Sox, yeah. I don't know why I thought, or I, I already forgot the pronunciation of it. I just want to say Worcester, but Andrew yeah, Laura was someone. Like. It's what it looks like, yeah. But yeah. Andrew Laura was someone who, when I was there in person, this is someone to where. Again, Nationals fans know he was kind of a hot topic coming out of the international signing period there. Sure. And the Washington Nationals did invest a quite a bit of money in him. And I saw the return. I saw, you know, when you're 19 years old and you're 18 years old to start out, the ERA is not going to be there. The strikeouts probably won't be there either. There's time to learn. But I believe in stuff. And he had the stuff from what I saw, and it was really promising. So what can you kind of add on that and what you saw from him? Yeah, I totally agree with your assessment. I mean, he, you know, inconsistency was the story of his season, Mm -hmm. which, you know, for an 18 turning 19-year-old is to be expected, right? I mean, he had, he had, he and Rutledge, especially when they struggled, it was because of the one big inning. Like they weren't able to, to limit the one big inning. And yeah. they had dominant – even in those starts in which they had – they gave up a big inning. It was – there was a lot of positivity that happened there too. But, you know, it's a mental thing for Lara. You know, you're coming to to an English-speaking country yes. without much English, without um, a whole lot of experience outside of Latin America. And, uh, you know, but you're right about the stuff. I mean, it's as good as it gets. And he – as this, as was the case with Rutledge, he got better as the season went on and had and turned into a pretty reliable starter down the stretch for the Fred Nats. And, you know, he, as he gets stronger, he's got a really good pitcher's body. You know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, six, he's three, big. six, four. Yeah. He's just a big dude, right? You, you don't look at him and think 19 years old. And, you know, he's been in the Washington organization for a little while now. I mean, mm-hmm. they signed him when he was real young and, yeah. And as you said, stuff travels. I mean, they can hone, you know, the Dijon Watson and the player development guys can get his stuff or can hone that stuff, you know, and, mm-hmm. and turn it into more consistency. But the natural ability is off the charts. Yeah, and you're totally right on that. And now I want to make a little transition into some big name guys who you've seen this year, including James Wood, former first round pick Brady House. But before that, I got to tell you guys about my friends 
from Built Bar. Can we pause the pod for a second? Okay, we're paused. Great, because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors with cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. White chocolate, peppermint granola. It's Built's take on the granola, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie puff. Built Bars are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're re-evolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. Only 130 calories get 50 percent off your order right now by using the code locked on 15 at built.com and now we bring back in eric bach play-by-play guy for the washington or not for the washington nationals it will be someday the yeah. fredericksburg nationals as seriously you and joey zanaboni on the call you guys were great this is something where i i always just kind of check the box score but I tuned into you guys, always had a ton of fun, and the chemistry that you guys had was definitely real. And we got to meet you guys a couple times. So. Yeah, we appreciate it. We had a good time. I think it was a, I think it was a pretty good marriage in in the booth. And we we never took it too seriously. You can't when you're doing 132 games together. Yeah, and you, but yeah, I got to talk about Brady House because as soon as Brady House was assigned to Fredericksburg this year, I was like, I got to go see this guy. This is yeah. what everyone was talking about going into the season so he obviously he started off really well but then he kind of hit a little bit of a rough patch I believe he suffered a back injury that was kind of a mystery but then again 19 years old a teenager everyone relaxed but what was kind of your thoughts of Brady House this past season started 18 his 19th birthday Mm -hmm. is in June so he played the first couple months in Fredericksburg at 18 years old and he was killing it Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was the best player in the Carolina League for the first month of the season. But, um, you know, he's he's a surefire big leaguer, I think, whether that's a third base shortstop. I mean, he could play anywhere in the infield, really. I I, I think, you know, I people always say, oh, House is going to end up at third base. He played exclusively shortstop in Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you ask John Watson, you say, well, is he going to end up at third base? And the answer is always Brady's going to be right where he is right now. So, you know, they want him to develop. I I think the bat was ahead of the glove, which makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, But, you know, he's got all the tools, plus arm. He can hit the ball with power to all fields. Uh, He's got – when he was really going, it it was his strike zone discipline was really good. When he kind of fell off there, it was when he started chasing some pitches outside of the strike zone and not, you know, it seemed like his approach changed a little bit or Mm -hmm. was – thrown off which makes sense you know it's yeah. the first time these kids have ever played every single day like you know especially the 18 year olds you know the brady houses the tj whites of the world you know they play in these weekend showcases and they play a bunch of games over a weekend but it's not it's a professional baseball game every single day and that's a that's a consistency thing that these guys haven't done before so i think that that maybe kind of wore on brady a little bit obviously had the back injury that uh, sidelined him in, in mid-June. And I, I think out of an abundance of caution, they just kept him out. I mean, y- again, you got to protect your assets, especially when they're this young. 
and Brady's got a, a great future ahead of him. And he's a, he's a great kid too. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. you would never know that he's as young as he is talking to him. Uh, he's just a, he's just one of the guys and except yeah. he's a six foot four, 200 plus pound cut up, uh, you know, 19 year old teenager yeah. that's is, was given this massive signing bonus by the nationals and is expected to be a big leaguer. And I think that, you know, at some time, at some points, the pressure can, can get to kids like that, but Brady's going to be fine. I expect him to have a big 2023, whether that's in Fredericksburg, Wilmington, Harrisburg, doesn't really matter. I, th- I think he'll be, he'll be good. I agree with you. I think people need to pump the brakes on, you know, cause I see it's easy to get lost in Twitter and everyone's like, Oh, well this back issue, like what's going on with it. Yeah. And it's like, guys, he's 19 years old. It's like, fine. he'll be fine. Like, and they is- had him once, once he mysteriously air quotes disappeared mm-hmm. uh, from Fredericksburg. He was down in West Palm at the nationals uh, yeah. spring training facility with their people every day. So it's not like, it's not like he just disappeared off the face of the earth. Like the nationals were working with him every single day. So, yeah. I mean, that's, they're not gonna. They're not gonna just set him out to pasture at 19 years old, you know. <laughs> and you're right on that. So here, real quick before we get into our next topics, I need to talk about James Wood. He yeah. is a freak. But thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard, behind the scenes. With local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. And as I was saying, James Wood. Eric, I can't get enough of this guy. I think this guy, even going into this 2023 season, could have the potential to be a top five prospect in all of baseball. I easily think that just from looking at his fielding mechanics, this guy was a baller in the outfield, the way that he ran the bases, not to mention he hits for power. He hits for average. He gets on base. What can't this guy do? There's nothing he can't do. I mean, he, he is going to be, I think an all-star. I mean, he's got, he's got every tool in the box. Like you said it. I mean, he can hit for power. He can hit for average. He can hit to all fields. He doesn't, his strike zone discipline is unbelievably good. And he's six foot seven, six foot eight. And so his strike zone is bigger than most people's. And so he commands it. He can hit, he doesn't just, he doesn't just hit fastballs. I mean, he, I think the most impressive uh, offensive feat I saw him accomplish in his short time in Fredericksburg after the Soto trade was there was a game the Fred Nats were down six or seven, nothing to mm-hmm. the Augusta green jackets, the uh, Braves affiliate. And, you know, they had a big inning ahead of James and there was tying runs were on base and breaking ball off the plate, just slaps it to left center field. And the Fred Nats were ahead. I mean, yeah. it, with two strikes, it was, it was the type of stuff that like you see people doing in October. And I, I mean, he, and as far as like low key people go, like James Wood is not going to be, is not going to be uh, run down by an 0 for 4 day. Like, you know, he's just going to show up the next day. He doesn't talk a whole lot. He's just a very like flat lined, low key kid. That's what, that's what the uh, manager of the Fred Nats in 22, Jake Lowry, called him was flat lined. Like I said, what, what's a, uh, 
what's a way to describe James? And he's like, he's not too high, not too low. It's just a flat line. And for somebody yeah. that's 19 with that skill set, I mean, you said it. He doesn't even look like he's running. Like no. on the bases, I mean, his legs are so long. It's like three steps from first to second, and it's just effortless. He's such a good athlete. He has a basketball background. Like he mm-hmm. played, he's from Maryland too. He's from the DMV area. Local guy, yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, he went down to IMG Academy in Florida, ended up going the baseball route, which obviously was smart. But, I mean, he's got the basketball background. He's got the hand-eye coordination. I mean, he really, there's nothing he can't do. And you said something that really kind of caught my attention is that he has the plate discipline. And Nationals fans, when you're a young guy who is, you know, highly thought of, especially as you're coming up in the major leagues, Juan Soto got called up early on in his major or in his major league career because of that. He had plate discipline. And I'm not saying he's going to be Juan Soto. That's not what I'm here to say. But could be, I think he could be, and I'm not, I'm not going to limit to him because his skill set and what he's shown right now has been wildly successful in everything that he has done. But because a lot of Nationals fans, including myself, it's like, well, we probably won't see him until like 2024, maybe 2025. Yeah. Well, if he keeps it up this way, you can't keep him down any much longer than that. And I know that's going to be, that's, you know, we're jumping the guns on this, but. When you say that someone has plate discipline and when he does everything so well, it's like, well, crap, this guy could be in the major league sooner than you think. Yeah, my guess is that he will be in spring training 24, very much challenging to be playing in D.C. I think that they I would imagine that he might start this upcoming season in Wilmington, maybe even Harrisburg. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think my gut tells me Wilmington. And if he is crushing Wilmington as I expect him to, then, you know, give him three quarters of the season in double and then triple A. And then, you know, who knows what could happen in spring training 24. And maybe, maybe you start him in triple A and bring him up in May or June. But 24 for me is probably the latest he'll get to DC. Definitely. And that's what I see with that too. Cause it's like, the guy just keeps on producing. You can't say too much about that. But I also want to get into some guys like TJ White and Jeremy De La Rosa real quick. But before that, I got to tell you guys about my friends from NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. And that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. And now we bring back in Eric Bach as we only have a couple couple more minutes here on Locked On Nationals. And, of course, I always appreciate your time that you're giving us because the Fredericksburg Nats, like I've been saying, was far and away the most exciting minor league team for under the Nationals umbrella as far as farm systems go, or farm teams go, rather. 
But I want to talk about TJ White because not a lot of Nationals fans really know about him, but he was kind of someone who, when I saw him, I was like, this kid's got something. And I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint it, but I saw him in his power taking BP, and I'm like, oh, my God, the Nationals may have found someone here. No doubt about it. Uh, he was – I mean, he had a crazy couple months, like the, I believe the month of May and then the month of July. He, he was up and down, but his mm-hmm. his highs were better than anyone else's. I mean, it yeah. was power. It was average. I mean, he went – there was one week in particular uh, in August where he hit probably four or five home runs in a six-game series. I mean, that it, there were some some crazy moments that TJ had, and he's a switch hitter too, which yeah. is like such an underrated quality, I think. Um, obviously, most of his power came from the left side, which is not even his natural side. He's a natural righty and taught himself – or saw Jason Hayward. He grew up in Atlanta, saw Jason Hayward okay. – in uh the Braves back at Turner Field and was said to his dad hey I want to hit lefty and while that's going to benefit the Washington Nationals someday I think I mean he he had he had some stretches that were just stupid like I'm talking like four for five three days in a row like that's the type of that's the type of guy that he can be um he's got all the talent in the world and talk about another guy that's just massive like he's just a huge guy. I mean, he's Big another dude. high school guy. Nineteen. He was the youngest player in the Carolina League for like most of the season before the mm-hmm. uh, before the draft. Like the first three or four months of the season, he was the youngest player in the Carolina League. And so, I mean, the ceiling is is endless for him. I mean, what a guy! Yeah. What what a gem to find in the in the fifth round or the seventh round. I can't remember exactly yeah, which yeah. round he was drafted in. But uh, really good outfielder as well, strong arm. I mean, he's he's the total package for sure. Yeah, no, definitely. He was a fifth-round pick, I believe, out of the 2021 MLB draft. Yeah. But, uh, again, regardless, so far he's looking like a gem right now. But lastly, I, w- I want to end on this because you did see about a half a season of Jeremy De La Rosa. And, you know, this guy wasn't really supposed to be what he's turned out to be, especially down in Fredericksburg. I mean – you could probably say, besides Brady House, he was your best hitter in the first half of the season. So kind of what did you see about with Jeremy De La Rosa? Because this is someone who didn't really have too much power, but then once this upcoming year, and or at least last year in 2022, he really showcased that power, and he kind of took it to another level. I would say that De La Rosa was the Fred Nats' best hitter, even better than yeah. House in that first half. Um, he was in Fredericksburg. The Fred Nats, I don't know if people re- know this, the, when they moved to Fredericksburg from Potomac, mm-hmm. it was supposed to, the first season in Fredericksburg was supposed to be the 2020 canceled COVID minor league season. And so when they opened their doors in 2021, the Fred Nats lost the first 15 games of the season, started 0-15 with yeah. this group that uh, primarily was in Wilmington this past season. De La Rosa was part of that at in his age 19 season. So 2022 was his age 20 season. They started him in Fredericksburg again, and people are like, oh, he's not progressing. He's this talent, another guy that's going to fizzle out. And then in 2022, he just came out like gangbusters. I mean, played a perfect center <laughs> field. Um, and from the left side was the clutchest guy. Like, it seemed like he came up. He had, in the first two, three months of the season, had like 
seven or eight game winning RBIs. Like, yeah, I remember he, that. He seemed to to come up in a clutch situation more often than not, and then in that situation come through. Like it's power, it's average. It's he was stealing bases. He was playing plus defense. I mean, it was a complete flip of the switch. I mean, you look at his slash lines from 2021 to 2022. It's like it's a different player. I mean, totally. it was very underwhelming in 2021. And you're like, oh, this is kind of the year, make it or break it year for him in the age 20 season, which is crazy to even say, but that's the world we live in. And he he made a name for himself. I mean, he rightfully shot up the prospect rankings. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was the everyday center fielder for the Fred Nats. He was a leader in the clubhouse. I mean, it helped. He spent pretty much the entire 2021 season in Fredericksburg. And so he was kind of showing the guys the ropes, especially the Latin guys, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, this is how you do things every day. I mean, he turned into a real leader. And that's exactly what what they were hoping for from him, not only production on the field, but development off the field. And I think his mental development off the field allowed him to excel on the field because he always had the skills on the field. I think 2021 was the exception rather than the rule. Yeah. And you're totally right with that. And, and, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to wrap this up, but thank you for making locked on nationals. Your first listen for your next listen, check out the locked on sports today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, Eric, this is a ton of fun, man. Please plug whatever you need to plug. Cause I know you do play by play for college basketball, you got a lot of different things going on and uh, that's a, always fun to catch up with. Yeah, man. Just uh, follow the Fred Nats at FXBG Nats on Twitter and Instagram. Lots of good uh, off season content going up and I uh, follow me on Twitter at Eric underscore box seven. And uh, we can talk about the Fred Nats, talk about the, the nat- national system or, or whatever yeah. else. I don't, I don't take it too seriously on there. So we try to have, a yeah, yeah. Fun, but appreciate you having me on. Yeah, man, no problem. We'll do this again soon. So, all right, that was Eric Bach from the Fredericksburg Nats, and I will talk to you guys on a later date. Have a good one.